Hello and welcome to Super Humane Vitae. I'm John Comiskey. And I'm Brendan B. Brendan. Yep, yeah, you heard <laughs> it, folks. <laughs> I'm sorry. The secret twin. There's <laughs> uh, more than twins, I think. Uh, I guess I'll have to wait until season two to find out exactly how many there might be. So in case that wasn't clue enough, today we're going to be talking about the loki series yeah we are burdened with glorious purpose listeners a glorious <laughs> six episodes of canon and uh, a glorious jet ski yeah which, uh, yeah it's the the jet ski was really the uh, baby yoda of of the, the loki series mm-hmm. don't you think that's what everybody pulled out of out of that at least online yeah it's the hero of this story <laughs> i think yeah, Loki's actually the side character. It's the jet ski that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not every show or book or story can pull off the main character never actually appearing, but I think we can all agree it's well. It's kind of like the uh, the Maltese Falcon, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that, that MacGuffin that we're all trying to find. And get. I think I don't. I didn't. Uh, am I getting that summary correct, or, or am I missing some of the more important points of Loki? <laughs> I, I think that's pretty much. All anyone needs to know coming into this. Uh, Perfect. Well, now that that's settled. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let's do a, a brief recap. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now that that's been put to bed. Yeah, I Perfect. think what we'll do is a just blah, blah, spoiler alert. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Times ten. It's there's no no secrets here, folks. All friends yes. in this room. This this is the all spoilers podcast. Everything spoilers. Do not come into these podcasts expecting not to hear about something that happens later. We're talking about the stories as much as a whole as possible. So it's going to happen. Yeah. So so yeah, without further ado, John, why don't you give us a very well-spoken, deep baritone recap of Loki? Well, all right then, Brendan. I'm so glad you asked. That's too deep. (laughs) A little bit. Oh, oh. A little bit higher. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, yeah. As we were saying. (laughs) <laughs> is, that, is that Bill Cosby? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, that mm, wow, it got controversial. Right no, now. Uh, that that's, one. Hmm, that's that was kind of a Jello pudding commercial, there, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a very pudding puddingy voice you had there. Wait, can you have Jello and pudding? Well, Jello is the brand. Okay, all right. I'll make a note of that. Hey, yeah, you're so right. What happened yeah, in Loki? It's kind of it's kind of a both, I guess. Loki, yeah, Jello happened now. I don't think so. So Loki, yeah. So the the premise of the it's it started with the scrolls. The scroll. Well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So Loki is a series that is on Disney Plus exclusively, and it picks up where, depending on how you look at it, it picks up where things left off in the first Avengers movie, and also kind of one of the concluding. Well, not concluding. Uh, one of the scenes in Endgame, Avengers Endgame, which is to say that Avengers Endgame, also more spoilers, involves time travel where the Avengers return to the events of the first Avengers movie. And in the course of events, Loki, who is defeated and captured and originally was taken to Asgard as prisoner after the events of Endgame, was inadvertently 
given the opportunity to escape. He gets his hands on a loose, fumbled Tesseract cube, or Cosmic Cube if you're a comic book purist, and he's able to poof, disappear, and we really don't know what happens from there. So this series picks up with Loki having escaped to the uh, Mobi, Mobi Desert, and Some in Mongolia, one thing okay. leads to another. He's in Mongolia. Uh, maybe. Okay. I think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's run with that. So he runs into an organization called the TVA, which is the Time Variance Authority. And essentially, it becomes apparent to him, or it's made known to him, that the events that have occurred up to this point, well, actually, I guess those are fine, but the events that are about to occur are not part of the timeline or the life that he's meant to live out. And the Time Variance Authority is the police keeping unit that monitors the timeline. They are tasked with maintaining a very specific timeline with very specific events and courses that people's lives take in order to preserve order. And Loki is falling under a category that's termed a variant. So he has he is part of a branched timeline at this point. And there's a lot of Loki being Loki and He's trying to be clever and trick his way to freedom and avoid, I guess, imprisonment or what's called, oh gosh, what is it called? Pruning. Pruning. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Avoiding pruning. He does get to see some events of what his life would have turned out to be if they had gone in their original course. And so he, he gets perspective in terms of sort of what kind of person he eventually becomes. And it kind of gives him a, a bit of a jump start in terms of his character development, I guess. So let's see how to expedite the rest of this. He agrees to assist the TVA in hunting down another Loki variant who they have had quite a time tracking down who has eluded escape and caused chaos across the timeline. And Loki, for the meantime, is willing to cooperate until he can sort of find an exit strategy. When he does finally encounter the variant, he tries to strike a deal. One thing leads to another and they forge an uneasy alliance before Loki realizes that this Loki variant has uncovered a deep, dark secret of the TVA, which is that the law enforcement officers and the bureaucracy, everybody who's working for the TVA and the timekeepers are actually variants who don't realize that they have had a life outside of their sort of timeless realm. And so from there, Loki and this other variant who calls herself Sylvie, as it's She's actually female. a female. Yes, that was a big reveal. It is a, a female or a, a woman Loki, essentially. And so they're they're on a crusade to topple the TVA. And they find out that the timekeepers, the three sort of space lizard people that are supposed to be governing the TVA, are actually synthetic or mm. android beings. They're artificial. And the real mastermind, once they really... Wow, I'm skipping a lot of stuff, aren't I? Well, this is where it <laughs> separates from our reality. As yeah. we know, our reality is governed by three lizard people. People and so oh uh, yeah that's indisputable wait you can scrub that part right i wasn't supposed to oops uh <laughs> as they get to the the throne room of the timekeepers and they're robots and everyone mm -hmm. is shocked robots including everyone who has been working at the tva who one might hope had answers and no one has answers except perhaps mm -hmm. a clock <gasps> but maybe i'm getting ahead of ourselves <laughs> 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 Not by much. Uh, no. <laughs> well, this is when we get to see Big Shock. It looks, yeah, no, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I, when Sylvie and Loki have 
achieved their end, uh, which turns out is not actually the end of their journey. And very abruptly, our Loki gets pruned and disappears. And it's mm. sad. Mm-hmm. But then our, our after credits scene, he wakes sad. up. And the three greatest characters, four greatest characters ever to grace us in the history of Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe wake him up. Classic Yoki, classic Loki, proud Loki, kid Loki, and the greatest of them all, alligator Loki. I guess now's a good time to ask who your favorite Loki is before we press on. <laughs> or do we want I, to circle back to that? I, I want to say it's alligator Loki, even if that's kind of an inter- easy easy answer. But um, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure if I can, because uh, as we skipped, because our our summary here is a little bit uh, way out of the place. Mobius, the handler of Loki, who we haven't introduced, also mm-hmm. got pruned. But then we right. meet him very graciously in this strange world where the pruned people go because apparently they don't stop existing. They just go somewhere else. But Mobius says he doesn't remember pruning an alligator Loki. So here's the mm. question. Is the alligator Loki really an alligator Loki? Or is he just a Loki that found horns? Or, sorry, is just an alligator that found horns? And they assumed that that made sense. That's the theory I want to go with. <laughs> but here's the thing. Seeing as Loki was adopted into Odin's family, why could this lizard not be adopted into being a Loki? So alligator Loki is the best Loki. Yeah. Oh, well. Why, what's mm, your favorite? Okay. Tour yeah, France, I think. Loki? <laughs> <laughs> he seems the natural choice. Yeah, I feel like Alligator Loki is, he's supposed to be, I think, your favorite Loki because, like, come on, he's an alligator with a Loki helmet. The idea is just too fun. So I'll admit that I like Alligator Loki, but I think my favorite is going to be Classic Loki. I knew it. Um, I knew it. I could have written yeah, it beforehand. Place your bets. It's a hard one to argue. He's, it's just, he's got the best pajamas. Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually watched an interview with the actor whose name escapes me at the moment, but he does talk about how he, he was excited for the role. And then they showed him the costume and he's he's wondering where's where the muscles like other other superheroes get their sort of muscle suits or whatever. And there's really there's not really any of that going on, is there? No, he's just it's an very, old guy in pajamas. But you but know what? I, I dig that. Yeah. Except that he turns out to have possibly the most flashy amount of power, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's an interesting case of like, I I think it's it's a the whole variant thing is an interesting exploration of what Loki could do if he Mm. Sylvie has her her power that she's best at. And, you know, Loki, our Loki has has his and classic Loki is really, really good at those illusions to the point where he basically says Mm -hmm. you're wasting your time carrying around a knife like the illusions are way more powerful than anything of this. So but then we do get to see our Loki, I guess you call him Loki Prime, maybe, I don't know, use power that Sylvie can use. It does kind of make you wonder exactly how powerful Mm. Loki could be if he was focused on Mm -hmm. exploring his actual abilities rather than trying to get power that's not supposed to be his. Rule Asgard, rule Earth, rule this, rule that. He's missing out on powers that are supposed to be his by focusing on what his brother has, Mm -hmm. what Earth has, and what Thanos wants, and how you know he may or may not have wanted to you know actually rival thanos or he tries to kill thanos later you know if he had been focused on if loki had been focused on what loki's powers were loki could very potentially have been more powerful than most anybody else but nope he hurt himself by focusing on corporal power Mm -hmm. or whatever you call it temporal power (laughs) 
Anyway, yeah, that was my yeah. diatribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's touch back on that. I think I think there's some good stuff there. We'll put sort of uh, a bow in a minute, I guess, on the summary. But I think I put it. Oh, that's okay. a good way to put it. Yeah, but I think um, I think those are all very very interesting points about his character. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be good. So, yes, you did describe a bit a kind of shocking point in the story where it looks like it's the end of Loki and it's actually just kind of taking us deeper and deeper into this mystery, a journey into mystery, you might say. Oh, mm. that's the name of a thing. It's the name of a thing. It's the name it's of the- episode six. It's also the name of, oh gosh, it's, it's, it's related Thor to the comic, Thor right? comics. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember if that's the first appearance of Thor, if that was in Journey into Mystery or if it's a later thing, but it's definitely ties into a comic book title that is related to thor for sure so yes we enter into this realm of multiple loki's loki variants we find that there's a giant cosmic cloud monster that eats time and space yes (laughs) and they're really not sure how they're gonna gonna overcome this luckily however in the gosh i guess i can't really call it the real world in the tva headquarters sylvie takes a bit of a leap of faith and prunes herself you know after kind of confronting i guess i don't know what do you call ravenna renslayer she this is a judge of some sort but she's kind of in charge but she's kind of maybe she's not as far as her position but she's yeah i'm not sure what what her job is but she's kind of like the director except she's clearly not the director because she doesn't even know what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so well but well we find out she doesn't know what's really at least according to the wiki page (laughs) well (laughs) she's supposed to be a judge it looks like we find out that she doesn't know what's happening yeah yeah sylvie is like well whatever fine and prunes herself Mm -hmm. yeah i that was quite the summary of all she talked about and then she ends up in the same place as our other loki variants and they have this pretty cool stand (laughs) together classic loki creates a great big projection (laughs) of asgard really ticks off the uh eliath which is the giant cloud monster that eats reality or something along those lines which is when we get this great moment where uh loki and sylvie are going to peer into the mind and control this creature and sylvie can't quite do it alone and loki's uh you know loki prime is like you know, i don't i don't know how to do this and she's like you do you do trust me you have this power which kind of goes back to my you know what i was talking about earlier you know if, if he had delved into those powers so anyway together through the power of friendship and love they are strong enough to <laughs> to yes loki and sylvie do seem to be in love with one another which is its own thing but through that power they're able to calm the monster and reveal who's really behind it the clock Oh, I'm sorry. I was supposed to go on. Miss Minutes, man. There's a uh, whole <laughs> meme, apparently, I discovered. <laughs> it's the most terrifying <laughs> moment in the entire show. They get into the castle, and they're, they're sneaking in, and Miss Minutes appears before in front of them. It's like, hi, y'all. There's <laughs> not really any jump scares in the show, except for the animated clock that appears. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah they they chose to put all their money on that one yeah <laughs> that was the only startling thing really they're given an interesting option before they get to go beyond loki is actually offered he's offered an infinity gauntlet he's offered rule of the nine realms and essentially what actually piques his interest is when he says and the two of you will get to do it together so clearly there is some emotional bond going on course they turned that down because they couldn't be i don't know if there could be a season two if they didn't and we get to meet gosh who are we gonna call him or what are we gonna call him miss minutes refers to him as as he who remains 
if you look up the actor, you'll see that in Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp, his name is Kang. Kang, a name that we are familiar with. If we are, you know, if you've read any of the comics, uh, you've probably heard of Kang the Conqueror. Me, though, I am going to choose to, if it's okay with John, refer to him as Mortis. Yeah. Why? Because there are many Kang the Conquerors. There are many Kang the whatever. My understanding is that Mortis was probably the most reasonable one and saw the issues with what they were you know, trying to do in conquering timelines. And I don't know, at least from what I've read, it seems like the version of Kang that is Mortis is the one who would have been most likely to be like, okay, I'm going to keep this timeline stable and every other timeline has to go. Now, John, tell me if I'm wrong on on that. It, lo- it looks like I'm wrong. No, no. <laughs> well, just a quick note. So, yeah, so there's a character you're referring to is Immortus. Immortus, sorry. And he is, yeah, yeah, I just figured I'd mention that while I was thinking of it. So there's, there's a, so if you were to go on Marvel.com, as I have, it says to stop Kang, the timekeeper sought to warp time to force Kang to bodily merge into Immortus. Kang's will, however, proved too strong and he ripped himself away. The cast off, Immortus remained distinct from his previous incarnation as reality reshaped itself so that both men existed separately at the same time. And there's a bit more than that, but kind of to your point, Brendan, it's hmm. it's the same person, but it's not. And that's kind of, I think, what you're pointing to. So there, th- hmm. there's definitely a tie to, to Kang the Conqueror, but this iteration of him has different, maybe different goals a little bit, but he has a similar predilection for meddling. <laughs> I would kind of say meddling with time for what he thinks is best yeah well it, there's kind of a sorry there's there's kind of a he he has an allusion to well there's there's a worse option mm, yeah than me there so he, he he's there he's pulling all the strings he, he's controlling the keeping the yeah. timeline one timeline well pulling all the strings is debatable which we'll talk about um he's kind of controlling the sacred timeline but he mentions there's a worse option and it I, I don't know if I I don't know if it's just because I'm somewhat familiar with the characters that I got the impression that he was suggesting pretty clearly. I thought that he was talking about to one of the other hymns, and I am guessing he's mm-hmm. referring to the Kang the Conqueror that we will be seeing in Quantum Mania. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm sure that's <laughs> so. No, that that's that seems right. I could just refer to him as kind of the majors. If you want. I think uh, <laughs> any of the above. I think he remains or immortus. Both okay. seem fairly appropriate to that particular character. Yeah. However okay. you want to do that. So, yeah. And he's they have an interesting time. They spend most of that episode in there talking to mm-hmm. He Who Remains. And He Who Remains is very clearly aware of what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Up to a point. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was very interesting. You actually have to get, you get to sit there and watch him. Suddenly he kind of pricks up his ears. And he's like, oh, that was it. That was the point up to which I knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it kind of feels abrupt and it's strange. And it's like, wait, what? Like, that's it. You're just, that's it. And then so uh, long story short, as you can guess, Sylvie kills him. <laughs> Although after a fair bit of debate with the other Loki and Loki prime. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. And, and fighting actually, uh, our, our Loki and Sylvie get into sword fight. Yep. There's some mm-hmm. tenseness. 
some uh, little will they won't they <laughs> kill each other and then <laughs> and then she sends him through the through the little time door back to the TVA and then kills he who remains mm-hmm. so that he no longer remains well said well his remains remain but he doesn't and the remainder of him remains anyway and we get a nice shot of the timeline separated in many 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 oh, different yeah. directions yeah the whole thing kind of explodes at that point oh yeah and then he goes back to the TVA and Moby doesn't know who he is mm. so that's fine despite the fact that they are clearly best friends yep and he's going to return in season two so mm-hmm. boy there you go there's that's pretty nice much se- <laughs> all right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah the summary was as fractured as the timeline is now there you go no. but <laughs> well here so. we are yeah we we glossed over <laughs> some of the details but hopefully that kind of is a good refresher or a good very broad brushstrokes kind of summary for uh, anybody jumping in. But yeah, that it's um <laughs> it's interesting. There's some stuff in the show that I don't I don't know if it's that I just need to watch it like the whole series through again once or twice more to kind of get it or if it's just plot holes so we don't necessarily have to go through all of it. There's some things that I was kind of scratching my head after like wait a minute they didn't really explain some things fully or some things don't quite line up but otherwise I thought it was really interesting in terms of exploring time travel but there's also several several philosophical and ethical questions that come up over the course of it so. Yeah and I'm going to jump right in, I guess. The biggest, really the, the biggest um, question, at least at the beginning, is the question of free will, fate versus free will, slash the control of control of somebody's future. Who is in control of the future? Who determines where you'll go? And um, yeah, it's actually, I think it is interesting tie-in with Catholicism. Floki constantly saying, well, I'm in control. And you have the TVA constantly being like, well, no, you're going to do the same thing you're always going to do. And that's just how it is the truth even in the show is is somewhat different than that because just the existence of variance and different timelines would suggest that no in fact it's not determined what you're going to do Um, the show seems to seems to work on the version of of multiverse that suggests that when anything i guess sufficiently different could happen the timeline splits into either direction of which way it may have happened whether or not it's exactly that simple i think it's it's something something greater than a coin flip something less than necessarily like an entire world being destroyed loki getting the the space stone and disappearing from a timeline is pretty significant change i would think that it might be something to i don't know if it necessarily has to be something to the extent of oh you know someone went back in time and killed hitler and or you know at the time of you know hitler's beer hall push he was shot instead of arrested and that split time because it was such a significant possibility could go either way that the timelines divert i don't know if they're suggesting that it has to be that significant or if it's really just any choice diverts into timeline now when we get that last shot of the timelines diverging there's like a billion of them are <laughs> going on you know i that might suggest that every small change can create its own timeline but it does kind of put it kind of puts Loki's idea of, okay, yes, I am making my decisions correctly. It's true, but only to the extent of which you continue, you continue to be the exact same you. Every time you make a decision or choose your, uh, you split off into another you. So in the timeline of you, you've always made that decision and there's decisions you're always going to make as that timeline continues. It's just that the you that didn't make that choice 
continued off in a different timeline. So to a certain extent, Mobius, who says this, is then correct. Yes, he was always going to do this. It just so happens that the TVA makes sure that that's the timeline where it continues, where that continues and no other timeline does. So he does have free will. He just gets killed for it. Except that, anyway, I, 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 we'll talk about more of that in a second. I just want to get uh, let John let John jump in here and talk about the free will issue. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We had a pre-conversation about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cut this out. So one, one thing that was interesting to me is the whole scene, I think it took up most of an episode even, where Mobius and Loki are in, I guess, more or less an interrogation room. Mobius is kind of interviewing him or interrogating him and loki's not exactly sure what mobius's agenda is but part of what happens is mobius is kind of giving him a little bit of insight into loki's timeline eventually loki gets access through trickery and a whole merry chase and distraction he's able to see the i guess not the entirety of the video we well i don't know they say time works differently there but he at least sees like the highlights of like okay past the point where his memory or his experience of his own timeline is everything that sort of proceeds before the divergence including the events of thor ragnarok and i guess thor dark basically all the subsequent thor movies and avengers movies up until endgame where he's ultimately killed by thanos he sees things that he would never have considered possible or reconcilable so for instance his relationship to his his brother thor or that he would end up dying for the nation of asgard at the hands of thanos to protect to protect asgard and its people as well as particularly to protect thor and it doesn't change loki entirely it seems like through the course of the series which i think is good but it does seem to create a significant change of heart and there was something to i think what mobius was saying and maybe i'm trying to think if there was another character too that talk about the idea of there are some things maybe it's even he who remains who talk about there's things for beings that exist within time that need to occur over time that they need to experience that people don't you can't just flip a switch and change somebody. And in the context of Christianity and Catholic belief, that fits as far as God wills it to be. It's pleasing to him that human beings who are created to be beings in time evolve and mature and change within that time frame. And there are things that we would like to have change instantly or maybe we want to understand something and it doesn't happen immediately even when we ask god but it happens over the course of time and that's natural to how we exist and i just i guess i thought that was interesting i i can't decide if it seemed like it was too contrived in the loki series in terms of the degree to which he had the change of heart just from kind of seeing this video when <laughs> there's like years of time in his original timeline that it took for him to sort of reach that new internal state of heart if that makes sense i don't know what you thought about that well there's an interesting point that i think that at first i didn't really realize might speak to that but upon listening to you talk about it and you're talking about his his apparent change of heart not insanely drastic change of heart but his accelerated change of heart upon seeing what what happened to him and what he what he could be became i thought that it was sorry that was interesting i got a little jumbled up here so later in the show they're talking about he's talking with the other loki's about when they got pruned 
And the the kid Loki says the reason that we can never change who we are or is because every time we do we get pruned basically. And a classic Loki is like he's like I like I realized I had to be this. I I went away. I got away from everybody. I just stayed on a planet. But then one day I thought you know I miss my brother Thor. I just want to see him. And as soon as he decided to go try to see him, he got pruned. So I think what's what's interesting when you compare that to the quickness with which Loki had a bit had a change of heart, seeing what he could be, you might think you know what actually he's always had this capacity to quickly become a better person. But the the him that chose that path kept getting pruned, kept getting removed, and that timeline was always because the timeline that essentially that. He who remains decided was the prime timeline was the one where Loki stays a jerk until Ragnarok at you know, the end of Ragnarok and then quickly gets killed. There was not allowed to be any Loki who turns into a good guy and remains alive for more than I mean, but Infinity Wars picks up right after Ragnarok and it's not really until the end of Ragnarok that Loki like fully is like, OK, I'm here to help. So basically, it, it would seem that you know, now he's out of time. He's been shown who he could be. And he's like, I didn't even know that I could be that person, because technically, even though he hasn't experienced becoming that person, because every time he experiences it, a timeline splits off. He So he never knew that he could be the good guy, because every time he figured it out, he got proved. So I think it's actually I think it speaks to him being given the realization that yeah you can change you can have a good relationship with thor and you can be a guy that you never thought you could be and that he's able to quickly get there or get there faster now realizing that yeah no you can be that so i think it actually makes kind of you know makes some sense in that and i think that that's actually kind of realistic for our own lives sometimes you know we don't know who we can be you know and sometimes someone shows us that we can be better and it helps us along you know, ultimately, the best person to show us that we could be better is Christ. We have other individuals in our lives who can help us there, too. But anyway, I honestly just put that together while you were saying that. So <laughs> That's interesting. It's strange. All right. So. So alligator Loki, crocodile hunter Thor. That's... All right. Battle for the ages. <laughs> um, so there's a there's another scene that kind of helps reveal a little bit of Loki and provides him, I guess, some self-reflection where he is trapped in a prison time loop at a moment of his life. And the particular moment is when he plays a prank on Lady Sif. And I guess he's cut her hair. And she comes over and expresses her rage to him and swiftly kicks him in the nethers. And this is repeated over and over. And it's kind of a Groundhog Day in many. And Loki's trying to kind of make amends. For some reason now, I can't help but wonder, is this kind of like a loose approximation of purgatory where there's already like ch change or a reception of grace in loki and it can only be perfected or brought to fruition after some agonizing purging and repentance within him in a very <laughs> kind of well, comical way <laughs> i mean there is the fact that his pleading does nothing 
you know, in souls in purgatory mm. can't pray for themselves anymore. Mm. They need us to pray for them, but they can pray for us, but they can't pray for their own souls anymore. So there's certainly that sort of, uh, like, he's here, he has to experience something, he has to undergo his purification. His his prayers and will don't beat it up or slow it down or change what happens, really. Because I feel like every time she still kicks him in the, yeah. in the, in the uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> trying to think of the age range that we're right, right, right. <clears throat> yeah, kicks him in Ouchie Land, and he uh, yes, <laughs> it, it happens the same time. The same, it happens every time. So it, it's interesting. He's able to learn from the experience, but he's not able to change it. So I don't know if that's kind of what you're saying, anyway. But it, yeah, it does have that purgatorial feel where he can improve, but he can't escape it, and he can't do anything to change it. He can only be quote unquote purified by it. So yeah, that's <laughs> a good point because I think it's it's not until Mobius takes it upon himself to pull him out, if I remember yeah. correctly. So yeah, he's he's stuck there and he really has no way out. And ultimately he does end up repenting, even if it doesn't even if it doesn't break the loop. Yeah. But ov over time, more and more of sort of the the pretenses or lies or any kind of prideful resistance that he has yeah. breaks down and he's willing to recognize, look, I did I did this thing and it was wrong and I shouldn't have done it. And mm -hmm. so there seems to be genuine change, even if it is at a very real physical expense yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and suffering. But yeah. And so I guess, should we jump into, uh, I guess, the free will element of this thing? Because yeah, that seems to sure. be a, a, a big, for me, watching it, that seemed to be a big overarching theme in terms of, are we truly free mm -hmm. if this is sort of the cosmic framework we're operating in? And mm -hmm. um, there seems to be a discomfort for Loki because as sort of an agent of chaos, I think he associates order with not just restriction but a lack of freedom and i think that troubles him especially in light of what he sort of discovers mm -hmm. well he does have that that interesting um you know his insistence is that he has free will the tva and to a certain extent he who remains are suggesting that no he doesn't and then there's the extended fact that every time he exerts his free will in a manner that is not in line with what the tva wants he's smacked out of well not out of existence just into a different plane in the end though that is he does still have free will because he is still making a choice now I don't know if you can hear my daughter in the background, but she agrees uh, a little bit. Okay. You know, it, but it has the interesting juxtaposition with our faith where we have an omnipotent God who gives us free will or, you know, and there's really no, there's no logic to us not having free will. Take that Calvinists. I don't think they would say that. I don't believe Calvinists say that there is no free will, just that there is predestination. But it begs the question, not begs the question, it, it raises the question, if God knows what we're going to do, are we really, is it not laid out for us? I think interestingly, and so I, I was reading in my, in the amount of reading up I was able to do for this, I, I read a uh, little blurb on Catholic Answers, um, which I highly recommend if you have any questions about Catholicism, because it's literally Catholic Answers, and they're usually pretty good. And so this was about free will versus a God who knows everything that you will do. And it was the, the simple line that was in there that I thought really, one, it speaks to, it lines up kind of interestingly with Loki, but also it, it speaks to how it could 
can work and that God can know everything we're going to do, but we still have free will to determine our own future. One, God is out of time. God sees all that is, was, and ever will be. But two, God not only knows what is going to happen, what you will choose, he also, and what will happen when you choose it, he also knows what would happen if you didn't choose it. That's not what happens, but he has, so this like concept of like, okay, God can see all of time, but God's actually not just limited to seeing all of time. God is seeing all that time could have been. Every way it could go, and he knows which way it does. So like you have he who remains almost seeming to attempt to fabricate a deity position wherein he sees, he can see everything that will happen. He can also see everything that would happen, and he decides which one he wants to happen. So he is in fact taking away the, the free will of those in this multiverse, but he's actually acting on them to do it rather than knowing what they will do he's actually acting on them to stop them from doing the thing that he doesn't want them to do now god doesn't do that but at least in the catholic tradition it it, it doesn't cause a multiverse (laughs) when you make a choice god just knows what that universe would look like which i thought was an interesting on one hand it's like a it seems like a crazy answer, but on the other hand, it's actually a very, I think, simple and easy to follow answer of, yeah, God knows everything you will do. He also knows what would happen with everything you would have done otherwise. So it's not so much that he said it, it's that he knows how it was all going to happen. So, you know, he certainly has a will and he knows if you're going to follow it, he knows what will happen if you do follow it, what will happen if you don't have follow it, but he still lets you follow it or not follow it. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> I think... And I'm I'm going to just preface this with my efforts to research this a bit reveals a lot of it, it demonstrates how much I still don't know and how much I still have to learn. So I won't be able to go very far. But so in Catholicism, it's a navigation theologically twixt two extremes, which is to say that you could swing far enough that you enter into what would be called deism and sort of this idea that God sets all the pieces on the board and maybe he knows everything that has happened and will happen, but ultimately he's hands off and and really has little to do. I think hopefully I'm describing that correctly, but Mm -hmm. one extreme that would be incorrect is that idea of a detached God who has created things, but leaves it pretty much up to us. I think maybe it's on the parallel or a similar vein, but Pelagianism where it's all on us, mm-hmm. where God's role is diminished. So there's there's a, a few different extremes, I guess, maybe more than two, but the idea of either a distant removed God who has no role, which would exclude the action of grace coming from him, which is the reality of things. There's also an emphasis that you could take on human action and human works, I guess, if you want to use that terminology that's that's a dirty word in some circles i guess but overemphasizing i guess human agency in determining our destiny and then there's kind of maybe i guess i don't know if this is where calvinism would kind of fit in where the idea that god has such an imposing role or so that god imposes his will to an extent where there's really no no activity i guess on the part of humanity i could be grossly mischaracterizing calvinism but sort of this idea that the idea of human agency or human free will is almost non-existent that it's pretty much well this is pretty much how god set your life and there's no deviating and you were you were made to be damned or you were made to be saved from the get-go 
which is not what Catholicism would believe. But anyway, so these are kind of some of the areas where people might wander into or that would be in contrast to to the Catholic view. And it's it's tricky because there's God's God's omnipotence and omniscience and recognizing that God has has activity in our lives and in the reality that we know, but also recognizing that humanity in its way also has has to cooperate that there is something asked of us and that we're not slaves to God, but that actually in accepting his grace that we can achieve a certain kind of freedom. Well, I guess it's still, that could be a whole other conversation. <laughs> Are we free quote unquote to sin or is that a different kind of paradigm? So I will, I'll let you chime in and kind of leave it at that for now. <laughs> well, no pressure. No, no, it's, I think it's a interesting. And this is the other thing I was looking at something I needed to revisit and wish I had spent more time revisiting. Um, but the idea of um, the Aristotelian idea of causes, you know, mm. your material cause, your formal cause, your efficient cause, and your final cause. Me, I'm most familiar with this stuff, with this from the Summa, where St. Thomas names God as the cause first and final. So God is the efficient cause of existence and the final cause of all that exists, which sounds like he does everything and, and controls everything, which is say that to a certain extent he does so god is the cause of the planet but not necessarily the cause of the table that i'm currently working on directly like he's not the efficient cause of the table that i'm working on the person who built the table is the efficient cause of what i'm working on but god is the efficient cause of say the seed sort of you know over mm. time that or like the ground that the the seed grew in that was necessary for it to grow and to grow into a tree so god is that final cause of all things that where it's all headed and he's also the first cause the efficient cause of existence however we can all have efficient causes in god's in what god exists you know god made to exist i'm probably butchering this a little bit so i apologize for uh, all the real uh, theologians and philosophers can call me up and Tell me I'm dumb. But um, basically, in Loki, we have somebody who is attempting to be the, you know, he, he's not the first cause of existence. He is attempting to be the only, he is attempting to be the final cause of all things by guiding the final cause of a seed might be an adult plant, a tree, the final cause of a human, you know, you go to adulthood and I hopefully end up in heaven. But this guy in Loki thinks that he can become the determiner of that motion towards an end, even though he's not the efficient cause of existence. But, you know, only God can be that. However, you know, everything in between. So he's in, in order to do that, he's trying to take away the effects of all of our efficient causes that he doesn't want to happen. So he's attempting to take away free will. But the very fact that he who remains is using all, all the power he's been able to do to take away the effects of free will proves that Loki's right. They do have free will because <laughs> you can't use power to take away something that didn't exist in the first place, which is something you think that the people in the TVA would have figured out. Like, I remember when Mobius was saying that, I was like, well, but if, if you're going to prune realities to avoid the consequences of an act that you didn't want to happen, aren't you then admitting that they were free to do that act? <laughs> That's... <laughs> That seems like the greatest admission that free will exists is to try to stop the effects of it, which uh, kind of puts, um, or at least stop the effects that you don't want. It's kind of puts some, you know, I know there is an actual Satan character in Marvel, but mm. it's pretty Satan-y to try to get away with that. But um, yeah. Yeah. Did that make sense or did I just talk a whole lot of <laughs> nonsense? I think it makes some sense. I think it'll give you plenty to 
to think about, but I see what you're saying. I hadn't thought of it in that way in terms of he who remains being a remover of efficient causes to affect the the course of causality, I guess, which is an interesting which, way to look at it. Which is really, I, I think, something that only, only someone who wasn't the agent of creation would feel the need to try to take away the efficient cause because anyone who created the universe created it to allow that. Because if you create the universe and then lose control of it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> so you have your he, he who remains, who has almost a, almost a satanic mission of directing the free will towards his will. Or at least, even if he's not like an evil character, which he really isn't, he, he has that sort of like, okay, this is what I've decided is the right outcome for all of these things. So it's almost more like if a very well-meaning human became, got the job of, got the job of the devil. And he was like, all right, go ahead and try to try to control things. And he's like, okay, I'll do good. <laughs> Almost the uh, Gandalf with the one ring. It's like, you don't understand. I'd want to mm. do good, <laughs> but I'm yeah. not like, I'm not actually wise enough to do this. So mm. yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that for a character who has gone to such great lengths to create a singular and very cultivated time stream through this pruning process that by the end of the show, he offers, <laughs> Ironically, I guess, he offers a choice between either having Loki and Sylvie, I guess, essentially take his role and direct the TVA or to kill him, which would in ways that I think, again, I think I need to watch this series to figure out how this exactly works. But somehow killing him takes this time stream that up until this point has been very, very, again, carefully cultivated and just kind of throwing it out the window and letting it grow wild, which, as we've said earlier, is ultimately what happens. Sylvie kills him. And then when we get glimpses of the map of the time stream from the TVA perspective, it is going bananas. There's branches just going all over the place at an incredibly rapid pace. Mm. So, yeah, it's and we talked a little bit about this before the show, before recording. But how much of this is just more manipulation at a very, very meta kind of 3D chess level <laughs> 40 chess. kind of 3D. thing? Chess is already 3D, John. It, yeah, wow, <laughs> actually, that's thank you, sir. <laughs> I'll get my eyes corrected. Well, I guess you can only move tomorrow. on two dimensions. Maybe you're right. I didn't consider that, though. You're right, though. Apart from maybe, like, how the, the surface of the board is structured, like, the pieces are <laughs> three-dimensional. I mean, even the board really technically is three-dimensional. I guess but. you can only move across two dimensions. Then maybe I was being a jerk there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in a discussion about time manip manipulation and time travel, 4D chess seems like an appropriate suggestion. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it, that... That was crossing my mind as 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 you were talking about that choice as well. I, I wonder if a lot of in the brief time we see him, he who remains, his power seems to come from his knowledge of the timeline. You know, he's able to dodge attacks because of it. He's you know. so he's he has foreknowledge of what's going to happen, and I have to wonder if he thinks he knows. I don't know. Perhaps he thinks that it's not a choice, you know, that given mm. the opportunity to take up his great work, you know, what else could they ever want to do? Mm. 
I think that that could be the sort of I don't know, arrogance of power, maybe. But um, mm. no, I could be wrong there too. But I, I think it's it's legitimate to wonder: Did he who remains really think he was offering a you know a real option? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of again. I hate to I hate to bring the poor character back to Satan, but um, you know, to a certain yeah, you know, the, the temptation in the desert, you know, coming up to the to eat, to coming up to the show him the palaces of, of the mm. world. On one hand, one would think, well, geez, Satan has to know that Jesus Christ isn't going to do that. Why would he be tempting him? Mm. But in his blind does satan understand that there can there can be a person who does not want what he would want you know what i mean like the you know mm. for us and at least in retrospect we look at satan being like hey if you could have all the kingdoms you know just worship me or like angels should save you if you jump off of here right that's what i would do if i was the son of god or like it doesn't occur i guess you could argue that it doesn't occur to satan that a man which you know jesus is he's fully man and fully god that a man would pass up on these things that he mm. angel a fallen angel would very clearly want so i i wonder if there's a bit of that sort of like temptation moment where he who remains doesn't think it doesn't think of it as conceivable that they wouldn't continue to do the work that he he over all the time he had to exist however exactly that works came to the conclusion was the best way to do things you know and that's it's it's sort of a i would say a symptom of great knowledge and also a symptom of great power to assume that anybody would do what you did in that situation. When in fact, an entirely different perspective gives you a different outcome. What he came to as the only possible truth, you know, much like actually, you know, in a, in a better, not better, but a more MCU related example, you have Thanos. Thanos suggested to his people that we kill half of everyone and we won't be hungry anymore. And they rejected that and he got mad and decided to spend the rest of his life proving that that would work. But despite the fact that, you know, he he came to the conclusion that that was the way to do it and then went to go to look for Hal. And once he got this all-powerful thing, he still did it that way, despite the fact that as many people have pointed out, uh, there's a lot of ways you could use reality and time and space to solve the problems of hunger and overcrowding, (laughs) you know, but he had already decided what the best thing to do was. Hmm. So why would somebody else anybody who didn't agree with him clearly just didn't see the world as well as he did. Mm. I think that that may be what we have here with he who remains and, you know, Satan as well. They are all in love with their wisdom and they're like, well, yeah, obviously people are going to see things the way that I see them when they've been shown the full truth, but obviously they didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting point. Although, I mean, he doesn't seem surprised when, Sylvie approaches him to kill him. It's not, there's not a sense that, oh, you didn't make the choice that I thought you would make, but that he was really receptive to like that. It could go either way. And there's, Mm. there's a point where he says, I may not look it, but I'm very old. And I think he says he's tired and that it's a, it's difficult because as the audience, or at least for me, you don't really know how much to trust him because he's clearly somebody who is very good at manipulation. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least the time stream, I don't know how much of a liar he is, but which is kind of funny given that it's a show about liars, (laughs) a la Loki, but, but yeah, it seems like he's, it's almost like he's made his peace either way, unless there's something that I'm missing. But I think there's also this sort of eternal perspective that he has because he says something to the effect of, hey, even if you kill me, there will be another me, which I mean, that's kind of a whole other question of like, is it really him though? But Mm. I guess the idea that (laughs) with variants that basically there will be some version of him that will live on 
even if he's dead. Well, I mean, and since the, since the since access to the timelines seems pretty open, one would think, yeah, as we saw the the timeline splitting, it wasn't just splitting from the moment that that happened; it was splitting all over everywhere. Right. So, <laughs> So for all we know, as soon as he was stabbed, the him that would become him sprouted off somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, okay, well, but he wouldn't necessarily know. That may have been, I mean, because of because of the, I guess, malleability of time in the show. On, on one hand, yes, that probably, I guess that we would say that only ever happened once, but did it? Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> you know, is it a is it a case of he sat at the end of time? And just like kept it from splitting, it, or is it more of like a um, what do you call it, Donnie Darko style timeline split, where your timeline is your timeline splits because of something significant, but essentially it's always collapsing back towards the prime timeline, mm. and is the prime timeline the one that leads up to him being stabbed by mm. by Sylvie, and then whatever comes next that we don't see? So are we just looking at a grander scale of oh, everything split, but eventually everything is going to collapse back down the same way it did to make he who remains the only dude i mean i don't know but right i've always and not that i believe in in multi multiple timelines i don't think it really jives with Catholicism, but i've always found that to be a more interesting concept of timelines than the multiverse multiverse i feel like can be used very well but i think it's often used as a narrative let's have fun device whereas a a cut not every time but like in a lot of stuff but like in a concept of a alternate timeline that splits but is ultimately always collapsing back towards the original timeline where it essentially right itself Mm. i think is an interesting concept of a timeline especially to like look at it in storytelling but i don't know that's just yeah it is (laughs) yeah it i'd almost venture to say as kind of a an off-the-cuff thought that doing it in terms of the timeline does kind of force a story that's very carefully thought out Mm. uh not that not that a multiversal story wouldn't but it's basically just kind of like well every every possibility or possible version of how our universe looks or how our lives proceed exists and it's all just kind of thinly separated dimensionally and it's pretty much just a matter of like well how do we open open those walls up or that sort of thing but with the timeline there's a lot of thought that needs to go into sort of the causality of things and Mm. sort of what what the implications are yeah just sort of conceptually it's very demanding i think creatively and if it's done well it's very rewarding Mm. yes yeah there's a little ethical dilemma at the end of the series which we've already mentioned a couple of times but when he remains presents the options before loki and sylvie of hey take over the tva and basically decide what direction time takes and preserve the timeline from descending into chaos or kill him and the timeline just kind of explodes into its diverse branches the ethical question seems to come down to one of i don't know i guess it's sort of like choosing the lesser of two evils where you're either choosing to become what at least loki and sylvie would see as a a tyrannical position and i think over the course of conversation we would agree that even if he remains believes that he's doing what's good by preventing war between variants by having all those variants in time and in peoples that it's not a good thing so there's that tyranny 
or alternatively, not just the killing of he who remains, which I guess you could debate whether or not that's a good moral choice, but the consequences of that. And he remains is pretty transparent in what he thinks, which is that, hey, you know, it could be interesting if you kill me and things kind of go the way they go. But just going to tell you the whole reason I'm doing this in the first place is because not all variants are good, not all timelines and well, and not every version of any particular person has the best intentions. And so by killing one tyrant, you could create what one could see as freedom or good, or alternatively, you could unleash an even greater evil into reality. So that's a lot of what drives sort of the drama in that last, ep that last episode, I feel like, is that dilemma. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's really kind of the core issue there when it comes down to do they become the people, more or less, making the decision of, of which choice was the right one, or do they sit there and look at what happens when a cascade of cascade of effects are just unleashed onto the world? It does it does complicate the question when you create extra new realities when you do it. The simple answer, I would think, would be that you should not allow somebody to determine whether someone can make a choice or not. Yeah, you know, from, I don't know from a christian perspective well, it's hard to say because we don't really believe in branching timelines but i think that i would personally have to say that if that is something that was happening naturally it would be something that would have had to have been willed by god <laughs> and therefore not our place to control it which isn't to say i mean you know I, I i don't think that there would be a person who wasn't god who yeah okay so sorry let me rephrase that because the essential activity of he who remains is to remove the varying effects of free will and funnel it into the, the choices that he deems to be appropriate. I think that it would be unchristian to take up that spot and continue doing that because we know God allows free will and we know that God allows the effects of free will even when they're evil. And so to argue that we should get rid of the effects of free will because it might create evil in the branching timelines would be to suggest that we know better than God about his own creation. So anyway, I'm going to come down on the side of kill the dude which is still not good because <laughs> you're not supposed to kill him but if your uh, choices are to allow him to tyrannically control the lives of every living being in the universe or kill him I think you would have to kill him even though that's an objectively evil act he is behaving in an objectively evil way I think we're talking about it's basically just war theory on a really weird scale <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of a good way to put it. It's, um, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think if even there's an option C in terms of like, was there ever a possibility that they could remove him from the picture without killing him? I don't remember if they had at that point, I guess it, they don't really have the technology unless they stole it from He Who Remains. But essentially, if they can remove him from his place at that sort of end of time citadel i don't know if it's a citadel actually but out of his yes. base out there and imprison him somewhere else i guess he's clearly proven to be a difficult opponent being able to predict what they can do but by that point they'd already crossed the threshold where he couldn't really predict so he's presenting them with two choices but i do wonder if those were the only two choices they had i think well, maybe sylvie's passions maybe sort of accelerated the process where suddenly it became a matter of oh does sylvie get to do what she wants to do or not and so they don't really get to entertain any other options i mean i suppose they could tell him they were going to take over and then just kind of let it go yeah because i think it comes right. down to the question of is do you allow the tva to function as it was functioning or not right because yeah if 
the TVA continues to exist, it continues to do behave, you know, to enact the illicit will, even of a dead man. But still, you know, we're talking about you know, they would still be doing the same thing. It seems that they either have to be doing that or everything branches. So if you look at the two, I guess if, if you look at the options, not as do they have to kill him or take over and look at those options as stop what the TVA is doing or let it keep going. Those are your real two options. So in that sense, probably no, they didn't have to kill him. Mm. Right. But unless his existence is what's driving the um, continuation of the TVA's activity, or at least some power that he has that is unique to or driven by his being alive is what allows the timeline to be held together. If that's the case, then yes, yeah. you do have to either kill him or don't. And maybe that's something he would pass on to them in some way that really wasn't touched on. But. I mean, I, 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 yeah. yeah, and that's really, and I'm curious to see how they take season two because before the the credits roll, as you were saying, Mobius doesn't remember Loki, and neither it would seem does anybody else at the TVA. And if that was the TVA he was in, it, well, see, and that's kind of the. <laughs> The question I have is like, well, so what, who, based on the very brief glimpse we get at a large statue or carving within the interior of what we have recognized as the TVA, uh-huh. that was actually, it's funny. I'll, I'll briefly mention that you had already had some foresight of your own, knowing the actor that was going to be in Ant-Man and the Wasp, the third film that's going to be coming out eventually, which is to say the actor who's playing Kang the Conqueror. And so when he shows up, you, uh, you had some awareness. I actually didn't know that actor was going to be playing Kang down the line. So when they brought He Who Remains, I'm thinking to myself, oh, who's this dude? Okay, let's see what his story is. And it wasn't until, honest to goodness, just before or just as the credits are rolling, after we get that shot of the statue, something about the way I think the costume was depicted in the statue or something just kind of clicked for me in terms of, wait a minute, the way he looks, his references to being a conqueror very briefly and some of the other stuff all just kind of fell into place. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Kang. And so anyway, so we see that statue before credits roll, which suggests that there is some version of He Who Remains or Kang or whatever variant this is, has had some role in whatever organization this is whether this is still the tva or something else and so i'm a little curious it's it raises the question okay well if killing he who remains was supposed to be the option that sort of removes or disassembles the tva that takes that element out of the picture controlling the timeline then why does it look like the same system is in place just by maybe another version another variant of uh, him so it doesn't look like it may have changed much of anything at all so maybe jokes on loki i don't know well i mean and there's also just to throw in another question that um, I, I can't remember if I've seen this, if I saw this question or if I kind of extrapolated from a similar thought. He's coming into the TVA. He's talking to Mobius, but Mobius is a variant. Just because there's mm. a variant of Mobius mm. doesn't mean that there's not a bunch of variants of Mobius. But we have the scene this I have seen people go over. We have the scene in Ravenna Renslayer's office where, you know, she's like, use a coaster. And he's like, there's already rings there. And she's like, they're all from you. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of, mm. it's odd because he's like, look, there's already rings. And she said, so does he know that he did all of those? Or are other variants mm. of, of Mobius making them in some way? Like we can see that we don't see an end of the TVA. We see many, mm. many, many sections of the TVA. So we might, there might be a whole, whole bunch of TVAs 
at NetCBS fit a whole bunch of offices, and they might all have a Mobius. Oh, gosh. That Loki variant may have just showed up in the wrong office, and instead of, hey, wow, Loki, you made it back. I'm so glad to see you. Wow. Hey, wow, look at that. You're alive. <laughs> Uh, instead of instead of getting that, you know, he gets to work. Slow, slow down. What's your name? <laughs> Not a single. Hey, wow. The, this whole episode, I think, was a long con to you having a backdoor opportunity to do your great Owen Wilson it impression. It wasn't even a particularly good one, I don't think. But what are you saying? I mean, I was entertained. <laughs> hey, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was why I wanted to do this. Anyway, we can wrap it up now then. Okay. Uh, I do want to actually jump back real quick to uh, maybe readdress when we were talking about Loki becoming his ultimate Loki or, you know, his best self with exploring some of the powers that he uh, never learned that he had because he was too focused on power that he wasn't supposed to. You know, I, I do wonder if that has a parallel in our own lives. God has a Generally, we agree God has a plan for all of us. Free will makes it so that we don't have to follow that plan. Ideally, we would. And Catholics generally believe that by following what God planned for us is how we get to our best self. And you know, so I wonder if Loki's journey is actually sort of following that uh, that framework where, you know, he, he could have been better if he had followed, if he had like learned what would actually be his best self and like really explored that. I mean, I know I touched on at the same time, it seemed like he he who remains was stopping him from doing that. But um, I had to wonder, like in our own lives, is there is something we could have been better at if we had focused more on it? You know, would I be a better podcaster if I had spent more time trying to lower my voice a little bit? <laughs> or if I'd eaten something spicy to clear out my sinuses before I started, but I had that better lower voice? Um, or, you know, would I be a better writer if I, you know, hadn't had to, uh, done other things? And, you know, I was kind of wondering, you know, if I, if I had spent more time on athletics, maybe I could have been a, a good baseball player, but would I? I ever be as good a baseball player as God wants me to be an author? Would I ever be as good a baseball player as I would have been an author if I had explored? You know, I don't know necessarily what, what the Catholic answer to that would be. I have to think that through God, you can always be, when you bring God into your life, you can make something great out of it no matter which direction you go. But <laughs> is there some way we should have gone that would have been best? Now, I think that uh, he who remains would say yes and he knows what that is and that's why he keeps you on the path unfortunately that kind of stinks for someone like loki who uh, you know he who remains decided that his his best self was being awful and making the real heroes more heroic I, I have to think that that's not God's plan for anyone in our lives, you know, and anyone in this world, even if that ends up being the case for some people. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but I think uh, I think it's worth thinking about if we, you know, our best selves is something specific as far as work and life goes, or if it's really just the only thing that really will ever be our best selves is our faith life if we follow it as, as God would want us to, and the rest is kind of ancillary. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I think, too, you were pointing out near the beginning of this episode that Loki has, I guess Loki Prime is what we're calling him. That's what I was calling he, him. But you can call him whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Fred, perhaps? No. Fred? No, I don't think that's going to work. 
<laughs> oh well dream smashed so he's taking i don't even know if i would call them shortcuts but rather than recognizing where he's being gifted and developing that and accepting that he's going after things like infinity stones for instance whether that's the scepter that he uses in the first avengers movie or the uh i was about to say the infinity gauntlet but i mean really the gauntlet holds several artifacts any one of which would grant the user enormous enormous power and so loki's finding he's trying to find sort of all these other ways to to gain not proficiency he's he's looking for power because he thinks power is what will finally bring him peace in some form or another it would seem mm. And what we see with classic Loki, who conjures such an elaborate and incredible illusion on such enormous scale, it's something that Loki Prime never would have even imagined, it would seem. It's okay, you know, I'm pretty good at illusions, and it's just so beyond the scope of his experience or where he's willing to reach. He's been so distracted by seeking these other forms of power, he didn't receive the power that was gifted to him in his life that was already present. Yeah, you know, he's kind of focused on how can I use these powers that I have to gain the power that I want rather mm-hmm. than where where can these powers that I've been have been given go? Like where can they like where do they lead? Mm-hmm. Where is this going to take me rather than how can I use it to grab what I want to take? Which is an interesting thing because you know, he might look at that as a lack of free will when I think mm-hmm. the ca- like a Catholic mindset would be that that's actually a wise use of your free will to mm-hmm. explore the abilities and strengths that you have and learn how to best use them rather than decide what you want and try to bend what you have toward that goal. But both, I think, are desirable goals. Mm -hmm. The difference being one of them requires you to accept who you are and leverage that, and the other involves desiring who you want to be and attempting to use things to change where you are, which, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to knock somebody for certain, you know, seeking success, but Mm -hmm. it being a Catholic being a faithful person, I believe that God has given us specific gifts and those gifts don't know, may not always align with our desires. And when they don't, I don't think we're ever, I think it's kind of like teaching you, we're never going to actually get to where we are desiring to be if we're not desiring what, you know, the gifts that God has given us are, are pointing us to. So yeah, I, I think people confuse that with a lack of free will, but uh, I, I would disagree. I think Loki would think it is, but, or maybe, you know, Loki Prime when he just got out of the uh, Avengers clutches, but mm. maybe not as much later. Right. And I think that there is a certain amount of exploring where our natural talents lie and what kind of gifts we have and kind of, I don't know if pushing the envelope is the way to put it, but sort of figuring out where our strengths and our weaknesses are. And so I don't think it's necessarily wrong to sort of see, oh, maybe by trying, I guess, baseball, to use your example, mm. maybe somebody doesn't know that they have a profession in baseball unless they try or maybe it takes some development but there's a certain amount of discernment there and i think to your point i think if somebody gets in their head using the baseball player example that putting their identity entirely in this notion that like i won't be happy until i'm a pro baseball player this is the only thing that i can be this is who i am and it's not to say that you shouldn't try but maybe allowing room for god to tell you that he has something greater for you and it doesn't look like that and that he's given you other things in your life that you either you're good at or have yet to be discovered developed and anyway i guess all of which this is that I would 
I would agree with you that although trying to discover where God is gifting us is good, but also being willing to accept that the paradigm that we have in our our minds and our hearts or our self-image may not conform to God's, mm. I guess, the, the truth that God sees because God ultimately has the fullness of truth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And frankly, <laughs> as far as the Loki thing goes, seeing classic Loki conjure that illusion was both satisfying and frustrating because he's basically demonstrating and expressing a lot of frustration I've had with the MCU's Loki, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Loki. I like him, but mostly you see dagger tricks and very kind of small scale illusions for a character who ostensibly has a lot of magical ability as a strength he's i don't know he doesn't seem to be put into full use and in fact even in this series he's not doesn't seem to be a particularly good liar or magician for the most part well i mean one that's kind of the point that i mean it's a little bit of a one-off but i think it's mm. actually important but that classic loki makes that point mm. it's yep. like you know it's like you know you think concealing a dagger makes you great mm-hmm. you don't even know <laughs> right what you could be doing but i also you know i, I think that a little bit of what this you know, the show shows whether it's imper- uh, on purpose or not is the limitations of you know, choosing what you want to be your power versus what could be your power or what should be. Mm. Cause especially when it comes down to lying, you can only lie yeah. your way out of so much mm. like, yeah, maybe he was really good at lying, but then, you know, e- even eventually Thor was getting used to his, mm-hmm. his lying and like how, how he lied and why. And then he got thrust into a situation where everybody knew way more than he ever would. And he still mm. tried to lie his way out of it. I think it, the show really demonstrated, and I don't know if it was conscious, maybe it was, really demonstrated the limitations that MCU Loki has basically placed on himself by mm. by embracing pieces of his personality and talent that will only get you so far. Mm. Like lying is a talent, I guess, but I, I feel like in order to successfully lie your way out of things, you have to know you have to know so much more about what's going on than the person you're mm. lying to. Like, mm-hmm. I, and he's just like, you can't. <laughs> yeah um, I, it can't last forever <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. so. i think to yeah that's interesting because then it also seems to demonstrate that he he has talents and he falls he seems to fall back in some ways on what's easy mm-hmm. and so somebody listening might be saying well weren't you just saying that you should recognize your talents and use them but i think the thing is is that even though he has that he's good at certain things that he doesn't develop them he doesn't mature in them and doesn't allow them to reach their full fruition that he's kind of using he's like oh okay i've i figured out this much and he's pretty good at it and so just kind of using what he knows in that area versus bringing it to its fullest completion which to use the example of writing which you had mentioned so a, a writer Somebody might be naturally good at writing or it comes fairly easily to them. But if they don't take the time and effort to hone their craft, I think it can be easy. And uh, and I fall into this temptation from time to time in, in areas that are my strengths to think, oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty good and this is how I'm good at it. And that's fine and kind of resting on your laurels versus pressing into it and really seeing where it can take you, that there's more to learn and there's more that it can be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of, he's just kind of using sort of the bag of tricks that he's been using for who knows how many years and maybe just not really bothering between relying on those and relying on them to uh, obtaining artifacts of power or kind of 
coming full circle again to like, well, if you, if you had explored the areas of the tools you're using to get those artifacts a little more, mm-hmm. you'd find that you're wasting more of your time than you are investing it yeah. in these uh, futile quests. So. so I might even, to use another metaphor, because actually no, too many metaphors is bad writing. Maybe I won't. <laughs> Um, but I, well, I'm I, intrigued. Yeah, go for it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, mm, mm, uh, no, I got nothing. But I was just going to say, I mean, you know, say you're, you're a big guy, you know, you got long arms and throwing a hundred mile per hour fastball comes easy to mm-hmm. you, but a curveball is going to strike the guy out better. But if your go-to is going to mm-hmm. be that fastball, cause that's the, if your go-to is going to be that fastball, because that's the thing that came easiest to you and you just haven't put enough time into your slider or your curveball, people are going to catch on to the fact that when you're in stress, you're going to throw that fastball. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that you throw a hundred, 101 mile per hour fastball. They know what mm-hmm. you throw it. Right. So that's that's what I think for Loki. Yeah, okay, he can do magic, but the lying comes the easiest to him. Hmm. And that's what he's accepted rather than, hey, I could do magic great. I should really, really, really work on my magic and lean on hmm. that. That would be harder. So instead, he mm-hmm. keeps throwing his 100 mile per hour fastball lies, except that Mobius, time doesn't exist for Mobius. He's seen everything that this guy is and he has all the mm-hmm. time in the world to do it. So no, it, your lie's not getting past me. I know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so in case you're for some reason listening to this and you're not big into comics, but you like baseball, that's kind of what we're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure why you would make that choice, but you get it anyway. There you go. All right. So, hey, you know what? There was one thing I wanted to throw at you that I didn't warn you Mm. about. But um, so since we're talking about Disney Plus MCU stuff, what if is coming up and mm-hmm. yeah. just to just to put you on the spot now that we've gotten some alternate reality, some reality bending, mm-hmm. what alternate reality uh, individual would you like to see show up again in what if? Interesting. So to clarify, are you asking as far as like what they've already announced or produced for the show or just in general, what I would want to see as a what if? Just that's shown up, like a random drop or whatever. Oh, man. Let's see. Characters from the MCU. That is a tough one. I mean, I can give you my example. Yeah, go for it. I really want to see Tour de France Loki show up. (laughs) I don't care if he's in the background riding a bicycle or like... His like weird isn't like in the background of the one where Killmonger's oh a hero gosh. or something. You know, Killmonger saves Tony and they go back and in the background you see Tour de France Loki ride by. Pelling I'd be fine by. if that was all it was. I just want him to pop up again. He was so happy. I don't know yeah. if I've ever seen Loki as happy as he looked with the Tour de France victory thing. <laughs> I would absolutely watch that because I forgot that Tour de France Loki shows up in the lineup, right? In, uh, yeah. in the Loki series. And I would kind of want want to see how the writers justify the character and (laughs) instead of just being like hey you know what we're just gonna throw this in here because it's fun which is fine but to be like you know what let's take this a step further like what would be the backstory for this loki like like, how does this work like because i mean like you know there's what appears to be possibly hulk loki i'm I'm not sure uh yeah i think so there's a couple things but like Tour de France Loki is just like it's outrageous in its simplicity because it's like oh he just decided he was going to win the Tour de France why <laughs> was it a dare like the um like shoot I'm blanking on the um the heist thing we actually mm. got to see it hold on there's going to be silence for a second and then we'll just okay. get rid of it sure so was it was it a dare like the DB Cooper thing was it just like Thor got him to do it for fun or 
or what? Like, why? Why of all the things to do with your amazing power, would you just go win the Tour de France? Maybe this is the noblest Loki of all that he but can't relinquished. Be the Loki, he's a god competing with humans for. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's relinquished his Asgardian power and has sought to really challenge himself as mortals do on that great athletic event that is the Tour de France. Or if I'm saying that correctly, or. He knew Lance Armstrong was cheating and joined it to beat him so he didn't win. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know. What, what do you got? Anybody, any alternate? Marvel, if you're listening uh, and you need some more writers on <laughs> on the docket for uh, for your what ifs, we, uh, we've got some stuff for you. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a call. <laughs> Gosh, I'm trying to think. Is it weird that I'm my immediate reaches for a Netflix Marvel character? So it's sort of not even I don't even know what the situation is as far as like how it connects with the MCU because it did, but now does it really? But Daredevil, I'm trying to figure out how I can. <laughs> well, I've heard Daredevil like is as, he Spider Man? Uh, oh, go ahead. I've heard that he may be being incorporated into the MCU. Okay, like the like the same actor and everything. Great, but chart. Charlie, Charlie Cox, Charlie yeah. Cox. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that as a rumor, but I'm, I'm not sure. So I'd be fine with that. Yeah. yeah. MCU though. Um, I, I mean, they're hey, doing it. You want, you can, you can pick noir Spider-Man if you want. I think that's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hmm, I don't know what they're going to do with movies coming up, but if they wanted to do a, what if Spider-Man, gosh, I don't know. I feel like all of the <laughs> Spider-Man's canon has so much stuff that, I don't, it's hard to find what's left for what ifs because there's like the clone saga, Mm. which is bonkers. Uh, And then when his powers are shown to be a mystical totem instead of based on science, they had him (laughs) in the Fantastic Four. Actually, it's funny. If you look it up, there's several what if stories that ended up more or less becoming canon decades down the line that they kind of borrowed inspiration and sort of wove that into the fabric of things. That's the nice but, thing about uh, having a multiverse, I guess. Yeah. If yeah. the multiverse is canon, you can work some of your bizarre stuff into it. Sure. As far as what they're, this is unimaginative, but as far as what they're, what they've announced and what they're including, there are several stories that look interesting. I think the Captain America one looks kind of neat as far as if Peggy Carter became a super soldier. And it looks like Steve Rogers has sort of a proto Hulkbuster Iron Man suit. I did see that preview. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. <laughs> If I come up with something more creative, I will insert it <laughs> seamlessly into the next episode. All right. Well, hey, you know, um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good time. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Are, are you good there? Should we uh, should we let them know? OK, so I'll, I'll just go ahead. Uh, we have a little change of plans. We had talked mm-hmm. about Way of X, uh, our library. We're having some trouble with our libraries. Uh, House of X Powers X, we haven't been able to actually get copies of them. However, we were able to get, well, I was able to get a copy of of The Vision, which is Mm -hmm. another one we were talking about doing. So we are going to swap. We're going to do The Vision next instead of the X-Men comics, um, House of X Power of X. And so if you already, first of all, if you already had those X-Men comics, thanks a whole lot because you probably checked them out when I was trying to get them and now I didn't get them. (laughs) So thanks, but no thanks. Anyway, pulled a fast one. We're going to do Vision instead. I got you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's been some delays in 
are acquiring the source material for House of X and Powers of X, as Brendan said. So we still plan on doing a dive into that eventually, but since it remains unknown when exactly we'll receive our copies and be able to uh, do a read on that. And in my case, it's a reread, but trust me, it's there's enough there that I'll definitely... <laughs> I'll definitely want to read it again and really get into the details. Jonathan Hickman, the writer, really leaves no stone unturned in terms of his world building. So there's going to be a lot there. And we look forward to you joining us for that ride. And in the meantime, we're going to dive, as Brendan said, into The Vision, which was written by Tom King and Pregnant Pause. Darn it, I'm trying to find the artist because I feel like I, I always remember Gary the writer. Gary Larson uh, in a huge departure from his usual. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, <laughs> I don't confuse the listeners. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah. So The Vision, which was written by Tom King, and the pencil work done by Gabriel Hernandez Walta. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it's uh, it's a very different take on The Vision. And I think there's a lot of good stuff that we can discuss about that. So buckle in and join us for that. And we'll let you know when we transition to House of X, Powers of X. In the meantime, you can reach us by email at shvpodcast.com. If you want to give comments, questions, input, what you like about the show, what you think could use improvement or change, we're still early in <laughs> the podcast is still relatively young. And so we, uh, we welcome your input and uh, we're excited to hear from, from you guys. So we have that email. You can go on our website at shvpodcast.com. If you want to use the website player or you want to forward that to somebody who doesn't have one of the other podcast applications. And Brendan, where can they find you? Oh, you can find me at the library on Twitter and at Brendan J. Lyons on Facebook. Uh, we will eventually, I believe, uh, eventually I think we'll, we'll put up a Twitter. But um, so far, I've mm -hmm. been able to personally field uh, the comments I've gotten on Twitter. So, uh, <laughs> Excellent. So um, I can lurk in the shadows as usual. No, it's going to be on you eventually. <laughs> I tell people uh, you say things. It's like, oh, yeah, I called John. He said that your comment's invalid and you probably belong in hell. Um, oh, well, yeah, I will brace myself for that. <laughs> and then I give them your home address. That explains an awful lot. <laughs> hey, man, you get free eggs as long as you get them in time to fry them before they rot. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it was good talking to you. Likewise. And also some other final notes. If you can leave a review on whatever podcast application you are using, if you either use the five-star system, if that's in place or have a written review, that would be fantastic. Mm. And yeah, I guess that's pretty much what we would ask of you. And stay tuned. And any closing <laughs> I guess that's pretty much it. You've already offered no, I think you remarks. got it pretty much. I think I'm ready to close myself. Okay. okay, fantastic. All right, everyone, as we've said in some previous episodes, let's all grow in virtue and holiness. Let's all become saints. Amen. Amen. All right. Good to see you, Brendan. Till next time. Good to talk to you. <laughs> oh, no. The horror. The horror. Yeah. Well, that's the opening of the show. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs>